Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mickey Badlamenti, Discipleship Pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Our goal in the messages we share is to consistently present God's truth in ways that will challenge you, bring you new perspective, and ultimately lead you into closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you in your faith. We also welcome you to visit us anytime you're in the Detroit area. Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs, as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information. But first class ticket. I don't even have to talk to those people in coach. I love it when they shut that curtain so you don't even have to look at the pagans. This is so cool. I just can't wait. What, what, what buddy? Let me see your take. Oh, your coach. Maybe you could just stand in that line over there. Yeah, oh, I don't shake hands. Yeah, there you go. Okay, this is so cool. Yeah, yeah, here's my bag. Yeah, ma'am, I'm ready to check in, but I'm first class, so I get to take... What do you mean the plane's full? What do you mean I got to check my bag? I'm first class. I can't believe this. I can't even believe this. Okay, fine. Here it is. Go through it. Whatever you want to do. I can't even believe this. What's that guy getting in the first class line for? He's coach. Ma'am, that guy's getting in the... What do you mean it's boarding time? I can't believe he's in the first class line. I paid for the first class. I... I can't, what good is first class if they let those people on? Just wait just a minute. He's on the plane. They're serving him drinks with real silverware. What good is first class if they let everybody up there? I can't believe this. I don't want no part of this. uh, Ma'am, I seem to have lost, what do you mean they're shutting the door? What do you mean I can't get on? The cockpit's closed. You know what's weird in life? We spend a lot of time watching other people. Uh, And sometimes what happens in the end is we end up missing where we're going because we're too busy looking at other things. We miss what's really important. This last week, I had the opportunity to go to the Smoky Mountains. My son rented a cabin up there. We got all the family together. And I was really looking forward to it because how often do you get your whole family together? And the only thing is I remember the movie The Shining, so sometimes it doesn't end well. But (laughs) the last time I was at the Smokies was 37 years ago. I went there on my honeymoon, uh, and we were walking down Main Street in Gatlinburg there, and my wife and I were holding hands, and we were in love. We had no money. We had nothing, but we had each other, and we were so happy. So now here, 37 years later, I'm walking down this street. I'm holding hands with my wife. I no longer have hair down on my shoulders. Instead, I got hair growing out of my shoulders, <laughs> but not a lot's changed. So I look behind me, and there's my, my whole, this whole tribe of people that weren't on the planet 37 years ago. And that's when it's like a deja vu, deja vu moment. And, and my, my, my father-in-law didn't go with me, but he's living with me now. He's got dementia. But I look back at and I said, wow, I am blessed. God's been good to me. 
I started out with no money, and I still have no money, but uh, God, God has blessed me in incredible ways. What distracts you this morning? Are you afraid to say the, the emperor has no clothes on? Do you look to your right or left, or are you into vertical worship? Tonight we're, or today we're going to talk a little about, about horizontal worship. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would speak through me this morning, Lord. Lord, I just pray that hearts would be open this morning. Lord, I just pray that your word will be presented. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't speak a lot, and I don't know why Randy does this, but he'll have me speaking after a bunch of eggheads talk. There, we've, for the last three or four weeks, we've had all these guys with like five doctorates degree. I have like, my third grade was my senior year. So this is a little different this morning. Everybody thought I was a great dad because I walked my son to school when he was in the second grade, but it was because we were in the same class. So you're going to have a little different thing this morning. And I just want to lay out a couple things before I go. Disclaimers. This will not be fake news this morning, okay? We will not have fake news this morning. Uh... I'm going to give you an example of fake news. A good pirate never takes another person's property. This is fake news, people, okay? The pirates I know, they have a crooked black mustache. They have a hand missing, and there's a hook there because an alligator ate it off. And they take things from people, and they usually have a patch over their eye because one day they were looking up, and a seagull put something in it, and they scratched their eye, and they forgot they had the hook. So that's, that's a pirate, people, okay? This is fake news. So I'm not going to even, this is true news. Let me show you this. When I was a kid and my mom brought me into church and she put the whipping on me in the parking lot and I got to church, that's what I look like. Now that's true news, okay? So you got fake news, true. Today I want to give you true news, okay? The other, uh, the other thing is I'm going to be talking in a language this morning that you, some of you are unfamiliar with. The last few weeks, we had highly educated people up here. I'm going to be talking in a language that I call husband, okay? It's a little different. For example, if I say I'm fine, what that actually means is I'm fine, okay? Now, wives have a whole different language than we do. So if you're here this morning and you're a wife and you don't understand what's going on, talk to your husband after church. That's biblical, isn't it? Okay? All right. So anyway, I'm going to be talking husband. All right, uh, let me give you an example of this. My wife and I, I'll get to the sermon by 12 anyway. Uh, my wife and I, we're the only people that have been in my bedroom in the last 20 years. In my bedroom, I have a laundry basket. At the end of the evening, I go in there, take my clothes off, and I throw my dirty clothes in the laundry basket, right? Makes sense? On occasion... I throw an item in there, some underclothes, and they hit the rim and bounce off. And they land in the floor. Now this is wife language. She will come into the room, she will look at the item, and she'll say, what's that? Okay? Now, man language, husband language, I would say, pick it up. But no, that would be communicating. So she'll say, what is that? And then, you know, it's my underwear. I miss it. You know, I mean, and she'll say, whose is that? Now, only two of us have been in the room in the last 20 years. Now, I'm no mathematician, but you know what I'm saying? I, I never had geometry and all that stuff. But, and if it's somebody else's, then we have a whole nother discussion. 
So I'm going to be talking in husband this morning. Just this week, we, she, what did she say? She said, I want to go someplace fancy. I said, what do you mean you want to go, go eat someplace fancy? She says, I want to go someplace where they make the food in front of you. So I took her to Subway. And, <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's, let's get on with the message. And this is why Randy never lets me speak. 50 years ago, this is the anniversary this year of Woodstock. How many people know about Woodstock? Remember Woodstock? You were there at Woodstock. Okay? 50 years. Now, here's the thing. They were going to have a reunion concert this year, but it got canceled, all right? But 50 years, they're still talking about Woodstock. And they've tried many times to redo it. In fact, four months after the original Woodstock, they had another one in California that failed miserably. But Woodstock was something more than a concert, okay? We don't have a 50th year anniversary of a Weird Al concert, or James Taylor, or anybody else. But Woodstock was something different. It, it, it had more to it. Now, I grew up in a, a Southern Baptist church. My granddad was a Southern Baptist preacher. And back in those days, we had tent meetings. Has anybody ever been to a tent meeting? All right, so you people are safe, so you don't have to listen to the rest of the service. Here's the deal. People would make pilgrimages and go to these tents, and you would hear an out-of-town speaker and an evangelist would come in and preach to you, you know? Well, Woodstock was a pilgrimage. Everybody came from all areas to, to descend on Bethel, New York. Bethel, by the way, means house of God. Woodstock helped solidify the move of transcendence and religious awe from the church and institutional religion into the realm of popular culture. A half a million people show up at this event. The guru, and I hope I don't butcher his name too bad, Swami Satchidanada who prayed that through the sacred art of music, we would find peace that will pervade all over the globe, a peace that we find within ourselves first. So Eastern uh, religion was introduced. Might I suggest that Woodstock was more than a concert? If it was just a concert, we'd quit talking about it. But it was a worship experience. People shared everything, and I mean everything they had. It opened up with uh, Richie Haven singing Freedom, I Feel Like a Motherless Child. And all these young people, they, they hated authority. They hated what was going on. They hated the Vietnam War. They, ha they, they had enough of all this stuff. And they said, you know what? If we can't be like you, we don't want to be like you. We'll dress differently. And you know what? If things get too rough, psychedelic drugs were introduced. We'll get high and have a good time. And we're more creative that way. And they got into this horizontal worship when we started worshiping, worshiping each other and performers. And we don't need Jesus. We can find our peace in ourselves and the people around us. They sing songs. I get a little help from my friends. I get high with a little help from my friends. And then they, they like I say, they share the drugs and smoke the devil's lettuce or whatever you call it nowadays. I don't know. We used to call it the devil's lettuce. but I, I don't know. So I put my faith in others. Horizontal worship. Now, the reason Woodstock has never hit the peaks of popularity again after that day is I truly believe that worship will fail every time unless the object of person that we're worshiping is worthy of our worship. And there's only one worthy of our worship, and that's Jesus Christ. It will fail every time if we're worshiping something else. We live in a day today where if entertainers tell you something about politics, a movie star tells you something, you think it's something worthwhile. 
because we got into this horizontal worship. Recently, a couple people high up in the Christian community has renounced their faith. And they've said, you know what? I believe that uh, uh, you're supposed to love each other. I believe in peace. I believe in sharing your, your, your things and giving things up for the poor. I believe in all that, but let's just leave Jesus out of it. A well-known author, singer, worshiper. They say, we don't no longer believe in Jesus, but we believe in his teachings. And, you know, there's no remorse. There's no, uh, I've led people astray for 20 years and now I'm coming. No, none of that. Recently, and you, you know, it's so unnatural, really, when you think about it. When we're born in this world, you're a baby and you're really hungry. And, you know, the ma gives the bottle to the baby and the baby says, no, I'm not, I'm not really. Give it to him. He looks hungrier than me. That's not natural, okay? Yeah, that can only be, that's only through Jesus Christ. Recently, a, a well-known politician uh, let the world know that your prayers aren't working. Don't bother talking to your God because they're not working. We got to take care of it on our own. How ridiculous. You know, sometimes we view God as this, uh, uh, like this trained dog. He's going to do whatever we tell him to do. We can live and do whatever we want to do, and then God will do whatever he's told. It doesn't work that way. Horizontal worship will always fail because it has to be worthy. You know, we're so used to being catered to. My grandfather, like I said, and he was a little salty. He, he used to say, you know, we're, we're supposed to be the salt of the world. And you, you can't spread the gospel if you're going to sugarcoat everything. So this guy comes up to him after service. And, you know, people do this from time to time. And they'll come up to me and they'll say, you know what? I really didn't uh, like the worship service this morning. And my granddad would say, that's okay, because we weren't worshiping you. <laughs> we get so catered to. There's something to ponder, though, when we put our our trust and faith in all these folks. There's been times in my life I've needed a doctor. There's been times in my life where I've needed a teacher. Really bad. I need farmers every day. I need an auto mechanic. I need a painter. I need a lot of things. I need somebody to install my carpeting. I even need the girl that works at Krispy Kremes. (laughs) I have never needed a movie star. I've never needed a professional athlete. I've never needed a professional singer. Never. We put our faith in people. I mean, we forget what's really important. Now, let me talk about Jesus for a little bit today. (laughs) The Bible tells us that Jesus came to do three things. And this, he's really who, who our worship is for. He came to have my past forgiven. He came to give me a purpose in life, because that's really what everybody's looking for. They want a purpose. And then he came uh, uh, of making a home in heaven for me. But my past forgiven, let me talk about that for a minute. How many of you here, by a show of hands, you have an old friend, maybe you have a sibling, maybe it's even a church member, and they always look at you and remember a version of you that doesn't even exist anymore. Anybody like that? I moved out of my house when I was 14, 16 years old. I'm, 60, I'm almost 61 now. They'll say, well, that's just the way Rob is. They haven't lived with me in 45 years. You ever have that in your life? Your past forgiveness. Forgiven. You may be here this morning and you say, well, God can't forgive me. Grace is an amazing thing. And you know, I've been a Christian for a long time. And I've come to the, the conclusion with grace because I, I learn more about grace all the time. Grace is something that uh, uh, it just overwhelms me every time I get into it more. It's amazing what God's done and what he can do. 
You may be sitting here this morning, I've talked to people like this, as you say, you know what? Uh, I've blown God's plan for my life. So let me tell you this straight, once and for all, okay? You're not that powerful, cupcake. If God has a plan for your life, he can see it through. You're not that powerful. I have this tattoo on my arm, and I'm not a big tattoo guy, okay? But I got this a ways back, and it's to Telestai. I was talking with a friend this morning about it. It means it is finished. It's supposedly the last words that Christ said on the cross. It is finished. But in the Greek, it has a special meaning. It means not only did, are my sins forgiven from last week, but my sins are forgiven today, and the sins are forgiven that I'm going to commit next week. So a lot of times I'll just look down and to Telestai. Jesus forgave me of my sins, all of them. All the ones I committed and all the ones I will commit. Jesus Christ died on the cross and he forgave me of my sins. When God sent his only son to forgive you, he forgave your sins as long as you accept him as your savior. To tell us die. Jesus forgave a thief dangling on a cross knowing full well the thief had converted out of plain fear. That the thief would never study the Bible, never attend synagogue or church, and never make amends to those he had wronged. He simply said, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus promised, today you will be with me in paradise. It was another shocking reminder that grace does not depend on what we have done for God, but rather what God has done for us. Grace. Isn't that cool? Oh, man. I don't know about you folks, but I need a Savior bad. He also gave us a purpose for living. If, if you got a Bible, Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. This, uh, this scripture bothered me a couple weeks ago. And I've read it I don't know how many times. John the Baptist, um, he was this rough-looking dude. The scripture said he had a leather belt, a camel hair jacket, which camel hair sounds good, but I don't think it was all that great back then. They said he ate locusts and wild honey. I guess he ate the wild honey to get the taste of locusts out of his mouth. I don't know. But he's a rough dude, and he prepared the way for the Messiah. Matthew 11, verse 2 through 6 says this. When John, who was in prison... Now, let me tell you this also, okay? So you, you got the story set up. I've uh, visited a few prisons in my day, okay? I've been to Africa uh, uh, on an island just... Uh, it would be just west of Dakar, and that's where the slaves would go before they would send them out wherever they were sending them to. And I walked in the cell where they held some of them. And it was concrete on all sides, no window, no ventilation. It was like 100 degrees out. And I thought, how could somebody even survive over an hour in this jail cell? I've been to Russia down Krasnodar, my cop, down by the Black Sea. I went to the prison there. I went to the sky cell. And all there is is a slot in a steel door where you feed the guy through it. No toilet, no sink, no nothing. I'm thinking, how does somebody even survive there? I've been to the prison on the island of Palawan in the Philippines and spent the day. And I'm thinking this, this concrete and bars. I mean, how could somebody survive there? So I think in Bible times, the prisons were no better, okay? So here John did everything right. He was a great guy, and he ends up in prison. He heard about the deeds of the Messiah. He sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on economy. Now that's the verse that got me. 
that does not fit at the end. Blessed are those who stumble on account of me. <clears throat> Jesus is first. Everything's cool. He said, listen, John, the mission is being carried out. Um, um, the, the, the lame are walking. The, 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 the blind can see. The deaf can hear. People are hearing the gospel. The mission's taking place, John. The dead are being raised. All these things are happening. They're seeing miracles. And he says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on a coming. Now, I'm not that smart, okay? I got to be level with you on this. So this bothered me. I didn't understand it. So usually when I don't understand something in scripture, I pray about it. And then I just sort of hit my head against the wall for a few days. So I hope I'm not taking a lot of liberties, but I want to share you, with you what the Holy Spirit spoke to me through this time. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on economy. So let me paraphrase this in the, the Rob version. John, of all men, you're the greatest. You've done everything right that you're supposed to be doing. And I know you're in a horrible position right now. You're in a horrible place. But John, the mission is being taken care of. Everything is in order. Everything that you set up, it's all being completed. You're going to be with me eventually in paradise. But everything, this whole mission is being completed. But this time, John, your prayer is not going to be answered maybe like you want it to be. This time, John, you're not going to get out of prison. This time, I know you've been hearing those rumors about the axe falling on your neck. This time, it's not going to happen like you think. You, you were so faithful. You played your part. But you're going to be with me in glory, John. Blessed are those that don't fall away on account of me. You may be here this morning and you've been praying that your job situation would be taken care of. And God hasn't done it yet. You may be here this morning and say, you know what, Lord, I pray that my marriage be restored and he hasn't done it yet. You may be here this morning and you say, Lord, please remove the sickness, this cancer away from me. And he hasn't done it yet. Blessed is he or she that doesn't fall away on account of me. Sometimes God doesn't answer your prayer like you want him to. But be assured, he remembers you, he knows your heart, and he's prepared a place in heaven for you, and he will take care of your needs, even though it's not like what you think it should be. In honor of Randy being out of town, I got to quote C.S. Lewis before I, I leave. There's this uh, book I read back in elementary school, Screw Tape Letters, and there's this like head demon and this like little demon that's learning. And uh, so this is what it says. Do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring, but still intending to do our enemy's will, looks around a, upon a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. Wow. You feel like God totally left you. He's left the building. He wants nothing to do with you. God's totally ignoring you. And you still get out of bed every day. And you want, I'm going to follow God anyway. I'm going to be faithful anyway. I'm going to do his will anyway. I think he's left me. I don't even know where he's at. But I'm going to follow him anyway. Wow. What a, what a potent uh, 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 thing for Jesus Christ. We carry the mission on today as a church. And I got to tell you, I've been in a few churches in my day, and I would rather attend a church with messed up people who love God than religious people who dislike messed up people. 
It's a vessel we use. And I've been in some weird churches in my day. I've been in some churches where um, you go in and they fight a lot. I've been in churches before where they have all these meetings, which I absolutely love meetings, and they talk a lot. I've been in those kind of churches. I've been in churches before where people just want to be served all day. So what is church? What is church? This is church to me. We're having our picnic this uh, Sunday. And as a personal um, service to me, just a favor to me, last year it rained hard and it was cold. And so I had to explain to Randy and everybody why I bought so much ice cream. You never put a fat guy in charge of ordering ice cream, first of all, so it's his fault, okay? So this year, if Sunday, even if it's rain, if it's cold, if you could eat at least two ice cream bars, can you do that for me? Okay, all right. I get in trouble with a budget every year on account of that. A few years ago, I got this team of guys that are grilling in the back and getting everything ready. It's like the grill team. And usually that team grows every year for whatever reason. Some guys don't even work. They just show up to eat back there. And it's like a personal ministry to me because most of these people need Jesus bad. So we're back there grilling. I don't want to name any names this morning, Dwayne, Reese, uh, Mario. But anyway, we're back there grilling and we're working hard. And this guy walks up the audacity. He grabs an apron, he grabs a spatula, and he starts grilling. And he don't go to church here. He used to go to church here, but he moved to Florida on his job. So Marty Hartrick, he shows up and he just walks up like he came last Sunday. What kind of guy is this? That is what church is. That is what church is. He took off right from where he left. That was his place. He's here to serve. He's here. He loves the Lord and he loves you folks. And even though he's been gone for how, I don't know how many years, that, that's, that's what he does. No, Siri, I don't want to talk to you. That's Marty. I had a guy tell me the story. Uh, he wanted to go to youth retreat a few years ago, many years ago. And uh, the pastor goes over his house and says, is there a reason you're not going to youth retreat? And he says, because I just don't want to go. And then the pastor says, and the kid didn't have any money. And the, the pastor says, is it because of money? And he sheepishly said, yeah, yeah, I don't have the money. So the pastor said, well, we're going to pay your way. You're going to go to the youth retreat. Years and years go by. Now I'm the youth pastor. <laughs> Weird things happen. The guy comes up to me and says, if you have anybody that doesn't have money to go to youth retreat, come see me, I'll pay their way. That is church. That is church. A gal we don't even know broke down in the parking lot. She had a bunch of little kids. Her husband left her, or her boyfriend. She had nothing, no money, no family up here. She just came up here. She's going to move up here, and then he abandons her. She has a bad tire on the car. These kids, no food. Immediately, the cafe people, they got her a bunch of food. A guy in our congregation says, let me get the car up to Costco's. He bought her a tire. The church paid for her uh, hotel stay that night to get her back to Ohio with her family. Uh, we had people meet every need she had. We did not know her. She hasn't been back to church here since that I know of. We invested in her and we showed her God's love when we had nothing to get in return at all. Another family came in here, and they had a bunch of babies. I try to stay away from those things. And uh, I got rid of my kids. I'm a survivor. So <laughs> they looked about the same size. I said, you got extra diapers? Because she didn't even have diapers. I said, yeah, yeah. And they gave them the whole, everything from the diaper bag. 
That's church. That's church. People giving of themselves for the mission. Another month, why they invited me, I don't know. I'm going to England. Uh, they have a festival over there, maybe a mini Woodstock. It's a, it's a, a festival of music and art. So I, they asked me to come speak over there on the topic of Jesus reimagined because they have this picture of who Jesus is and they want to know who the real Jesus is because a lot of people are turned off by the church today. So they asked me to come speak and bring some young people over there, a band, so we could play at the festival. I'm going to preach and do a little stand-up. And so we're going to do that. And uh, so just as a side uh, commercial, um, Here's the problem with missions trips with me sometimes. Sometimes I have to take college students. They're the worst, okay? College students are broke. They have no money because their parents don't give them any money because they're adults, but they have no job, no money, okay? So if you want to put something in the envelope, the offering at some time, market London, England, and uh, uh, put it in there and help me uh, get some of these college students over there to England, or you can go online and give too. But that's just an extra, uh, that's a side item, uh, uh, thing uh, to keep in mind. Uh, but that's also what the church does. We reach out and we go to other countries, other places, Detroit, and, and spread the gospel. We give of ourselves. When you give something and re- expect something in return, it's a business. This isn't a business. We surrender all to follow Jesus Christ. Let's go on. And the last thing he did, and this is big for me, when I see the world and the shape it's in, this is not the world my mom raised me for. Okay, I'm seeing things in the world today that I thought I would never see. And I believe this, and please don't take this as a political thing. I believe this next season of politics are going to be deadly. People are going to turn each other. It's getting uglier and uglier. I don't have to tell you that. It's getting ugly. If you have a different view than me, then I hate you and you hate me just because we have a different view. That's how it's getting in life because of this horizontal worship and we look to others. But Jesus says in John, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there you may be also. Wow. This earth, this galaxies, this world took God seven days to create. He's been working on heaven for some 2,000 years. That's going to be a cool place. And he goes there and he builds it and he's inviting me. Isn't it amazing that God created all these things and then when he was all said and done, he looked down and he said, you know what? I want to make a Lisa too. I need one of those. I need a Kathy. I need a Mel. I need a Dave. I need, I need a Reese. I need a Jennifer. I need a Beth. Isn't that cool? He even said, I need a Kevin. Just one, but I, I need Kevin too. God created all, and he made a place for you. If you're here this morning, and the Bible talks about coming to God as a child. Children are so cool. I got to spend time this last week with my grandkids. And they're so cool the way they think, you know. And even babies, you know. Before they can even write, they draw. Before they can really stand, they dance. They jump up and down on you. They dance before they even walk. They're so cool. Before they talk, they sing. 
And the Bible says we can come as a child before God. You don't have to say any special words. You just ask him into your heart as your personal Savior. You ask him to forgive you of your sins. You ask him to be the Lord of your life. You can spend your time worshiping the horizontal or the vertical. It's up to you. Now the rest of the story. I told you before when I started that uh, I was walking down the street in Gatlinburg and my life's kind of changed in the last 37 years. I really didn't remember any of it. I just saw this one particular candy store and my mind went, candy? But then I thought about you know, being down that road 37 years before. And as I thought about and I took stock and said, wow, now I have all this tribe of people. I, God's blessed me so much. I also remember the first time I, I took my wife out on a date. She had a, a pair of terry cloth peach shorts on the top. She had her hair up in a bun. And I looked at her and I said, wow, wow, I would kill for a woman like this. It didn't hurt that she had a picnic basket under her arm full of fried chicken. So we went on the date, and, and at that time, my father-in-law, he was a career Navy man. He fought in Korea and Vietnam, short hair. I pull up in a brand new Trans Am, so everybody down south thought I was a drug dealer because I had a new car. I guess that's unheard of back then. And I had long hair, and he didn't trust me. I was this no-good young hippie, and he probably shouldn't have trusted me, but that's another sermon another day. Go 37 years later, he now lives with me. He's got dementia. My wife um, goes to work early, so every morning I get him up, I put his shoes on, I give him his medicines, I get his teeth in, I get him ready for the day, and then we take him to a place like senior daycare. This man that didn't really trust me with his daughter, now he thinks, he doesn't know who I am part of the time, so he'll call me dad in the morning, so I'm dad. My wife takes care of him, and sometimes he doesn't know who she is. And she waits on him hand and foot. And our lives has changed quite a bit. And I don't judge anybody else. Everybody does their own thing. And we decide a long time ago, all we have left is him and my dad. They're both 87. And they both kind of turned into kids again. And so we decided we'll take care of them as long as it's humanly possible. And I don't even know what that means. So, so far, I've had to take my father-in-law in. And uh, people have asked me, they said, well, Rob, why... Why do you take care of somebody like that? Why does your wife and you do that when he doesn't even know who you are? And I, my answer is, I remember who he is. You're here this morning, and I don't know how far away from God you are. Maybe, maybe a long, long way. And maybe you totally even forgot who God is, who Jesus is. But I can guarantee you, folks, he remembers who you are. He's got a plan for you. He came to forgive you of your sins. He's made a home in heaven for you that you can share eternally. So what are you going to do this morning? I'd like everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes before we take communion. I'd just like to ask a simple question. Do you know Christ as your personal Savior today? Do you know for a fact, if you were to die, that you would go to heaven? You have a heavenly home. You have a reservation. Are your eyes going to be to the right and the left, or are you going to worship vertically? 
If you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can just in your own words, simple childlike faith, ask him to come into your heart this morning. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to be the Lord of your life. If that's you this morning, could you just raise your hand real quick with no one looking around? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, I see you. Thank you, thank you. I just want to pray for you. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you do anything weird. Anybody else? Last chance. Last chance. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. All right. I know this is kind of be strange, but while you're still looking down, there, there's a, and I don't want to get spooky spiritual on you, but there's still somebody here that wants to accept Christ and you're just so scared. You don't even want to raise your hand. This is your last chance. Just raise it real quick. Thank you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these hands that have been raised, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would just envelop them with your love this morning, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you'd put a peace in their heart. And I thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.